May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. There we go. That idea of Jesus, our cornerstone, right? He's, he's the one. Life is built on him. And where there is life built on Jesus, there's a, a, a strong sense that what is built is going to last. And I like that. I, I, just, I love that. I love that song. I love it. Um, thinking today a little bit, and you may want to pull your bulletin out and look at John chapter 1 a little bit. We're going we're to work through that some. And thinking about roles and rules and, and, and how that works and, and, and how a team works and how a team functions. And, and I've saved my bullets a little bit. Uh, I haven't used a football illustration since August. <laughs> and anyone who wants to criticize me can criticize me later. But it's, you know, I've just kind of saved my chips so that today I can talk a little bit about that. Because the, the, the scripture from John chapter 1 and the coincidence of the NFL championship series can be nothing short of God's gracious providence to Pastor Tim Klinkenberg today. <laughs> but I think of that. We've come down from 32 teams to four. And, and, and there's two big games this afternoon. You usually have 18 games on a weekend. Today, you've only got two. All the other teams are gone except four. And, and what makes a good team? You know, you beg that question. What, what makes a good team? And football is such a cohesive sport. If the line is bad, but the backs are good, it doesn't work. If the receivers are good, but the quarterback's bad, it doesn't work. If the offense is good, but the defense is bad, it doesn't work. There's a, there's a cohesion that, that comes on a football team that I think makes it one of the best team sports, maybe short of soccer, of all the, all the sports in the, in the world. You have to work together. And a big group of people has to work together. And so the four teams that remain, you could make a, a, a strong argument that they're the four best teams where the players play their roles. And not only does each player have a role on those successful teams, but the other players know what the other player's role is. Meaning that today, as, as, as maybe a quarterback looks out a receiver and, and they've got this big ornate play that, that, that he looks out at the receiver, winks and nods, and the receiver goes, you're right. And they go off the script. And all of a sudden, there's this kind of big play, this aha play, where the whole thing turns, not because the coaches were so smart, but because each player knows his role and knows the role of the other teammates around him. In our scripture reading today from John chapter 1, each person in that has a role. And each role is significant. Everyone has a, a, a little piece of something that, that, that makes the story an aha moment. John the Baptist has a role, right? Illustrated here in this from John chapter 1, verses 34 and 35. The next day Jesus was there again with two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look or behold the Lamb of God. John's role was simple. He was to point to Christ. He wasn't going to build a megachurch. John the Baptist was, was never going to have more followers than Jesus. It just it wasn't set up that way. It wasn't his job. His role was to point to Christ. Everything he did, everything he said, every part of his ministry points to Jesus. 
So that in our scripture today, he's able to say, I can assure you that the one who was baptized by me in the Jordan is the chosen one, the Messiah, the Christ. John says, in essence, not me, him. Not my sandals, his sandals. I can't untie, uh, he's not untying my sandals, I'm untying his. Every time he has an opportunity, he points to Jesus. That's his job. From early on, John the Baptist knew that. It made, it, 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 it made him able to be strong and powerful and able to proclaim boldly who Jesus was all about. It also allowed him then in his role to be arrested and suffer and be martyred for the one to whom he pointed. And at the end of his ministry, at the end of his prophetic work, John reaches out and he says to his disciples who are left, he says, you, you guys go and talk to Jesus and then come back to me. I just want to make sure that the one to whom I pointed was the Messiah. And I, wanted, I just want to make sure right here and right now that, that my ministry, my life, my role has not been in vain. But that, the, but that I was right. And that I spent my life in something wonderful. And so the disciples come to Jesus and Jesus says, tell John the Baptist what you've seen. The deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk. Good news is preached to the poor. Prisoners are released from prison. And the favor of the Lord is upon this Jesus. And I imagine those disciples went back to John the Baptist in jail days before he died and said, you were right. You fulfilled your role. You did what was asked of you to do by God the Father himself. Have peace in your heart, John the Baptist. Your role of pointing to Jesus allowed a whole generation to acclaim Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus has a role in this. John looks at him, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every time you, you, you see that the, the name of Jesus is there, John is forever saying, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That role might have been murky to some people, but it certainly wasn't to Jesus or to his father. His father, Joseph, nervous and pensive, comes to uh, figure out what he's going to do. The scriptures say he's going to divorce Mary because it's kind of a sticky wicket. He's gonna, and the angel comes down and says, no, no, here's how it's going to be. Mary's going to have a son. You're going to raise him and you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The mission that means everything to you and me, the role to which Jesus is called, is the critical role for us in faith and life. We could just say Jesus was a good guy, be good, be like Jesus. I'm pointing to Jesus, I'm going to be like John the Baptist, you be like John the Baptist, you be like Jesus. But Jesus is a one of a kind. The only one who could come from the Father full of grace and truth. The only perfect sacrifice for our sins. The only one who could take away the sin of the world. The only one who could actively obey everything that God did and passively not get into the yucky sin that people get into. And there's, and there's Jesus at the end. 33 years. Right on mission. Right on point. His role, arms extended on the cross, feet nailed to the cross, spear through the side, and the centurion says what? Surely this man was the Son of God. 
our sins are removed by the role of Jesus the Christ as the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. So the sins of our lives don't haunt us. They don't come back to us. We don't get to heaven and God says, yeah, I've got a scale. I hope you got a few more good days than bad days, but boy, it's going to be close. That afternoon where the ref made the bad call and you spazzed out on the floor, man, you burned a lot of chips on that Klinkenberg. It doesn't work that way. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world takes away your sins. So you stand before God blameless and you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And in his role, he has brought the love of God to you in every way, every shape, every form. Solid, strong, confident in that love. And then there's Andrew. Gotta love Andrew. I think when we get to heaven, Andrew's gonna be fun. I, I do. I think Andrew, Andrew's always full of possibilities. Andrew's not like, oh, you can't do it. We've never done it that way before. Andrew, Andrew's always the one who's like, hey, we got this thing with this deal. Let's go. Immediately he goes and brings his brother to Jesus. And Andrew's always bringing something. In the feeding of the 5,000, it's Andrew who brings the lunch to Jesus. He says, well, we don't have a, an, an in and out truck here today, Lord, but I got five fish and two loaves. Peter goes, well, it's not very much food. Maybe Jesus can have a little. Maybe you can each have a scrap. And Jesus takes those five fish and two loaves that come from the boy through Andrew, and everybody eats. I think Andrew's that kind of guy. I think Andrew's affable. Maybe like my brother, Andrew's a middle child. I don't know. But Andrew brought people to Jesus. That was his role. From John chapter 1, verses 40 to 42... Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Interesting, that word, isn't it? He brought him to Jesus. He didn't invite him. We're going to have a party. Save the date. Here you go. Uh -uh. He didn't browbeat him into Jesus, grab his little brother, punch him in the mouth, drag him by the shirt collar and say, you're going to Jesus whether you like it or not. He didn't quietly suggest, well, I met this guy and he was really nice. Maybe you'd like to, you know, sometime later down the road, kind of check it out. Uh -uh. He brought him to Jesus. That was his role. He was a bringer. Beyond inviting, he brought. Pastor Trevor's preaching over in the auditorium today, and uh, he, he announced, and, and we're going to announce a little more publicly than this for the whole church, we've moved him into the role of outreach and world mission. He's uniquely talented for that and uniquely trained for that. And one of the things that we're going to drive is from this text and we're going to talk more about bringing people to Jesus rather than inviting people to church. Because inviting people to church seems to me to be somewhat of a passive thing rather than bringing someone to Jesus, which is more of an active thing. 
Everybody has a role. John points to Jesus. Jesus dies for the sins of the whole world. And Andrew brings people to Jesus. And there you are. How many of you have heard of Aaron Rodgers? How many of you are new to this church for the first time? And they, you guys never heard of Are you kidding me? Aaron Rodgers is the Hall of Fame quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Everybody knows who Aaron Rodgers is. Now we'll test the, we'll test the skill of, of your football knowledge. How many people know who Raven Green is? That's what I thought. John, no, come on, man. Raven Green was just brought on the team either last night or this morning. Raven Green is a walk-on free agent from uh, James Madison University. He's a smart guy. He's about six foot three, 195 pounds. He's a fast guy. He's a big guy. But two games into the season, he blew out his ankle. And the Packers knew that they had a good player there and that Raven Green would have a role on that team. And boy, one of those roles with the roll of his ankle, which just went pfft. He has not played since the second game of the season, but he was made active today. Raven Green is going to play today. He has a role, an active role. He's not going to sit on the bench. He's not that kind of player. He's going to have a role. And one of the things I like about football that makes football cool is that sometimes those role players come off the bench. And it's not always the Aaron Rodgers that make the big play. Sometimes it's the, uh, it, it, it's the guy who comes and you've never heard of him. He's not a first-round draft pick and he's not great. He's not an all-pro. He's not all that stuff. But in the middle of the game, when it's really hard and the thing is in the balance, there he is. I'm be watching Raven Green today because he's got a role to play, whether it's on special teams, maybe he makes a tackle. He's not the superstar, but he's got a place to play. As a matter of fact, on an NFL team, everybody plays today. You realize that? Everybody plays. Whether they play offense, defense, or special teams, everybody plays on a team. There are really no bench warmers. You might sit for a little while, but there's not really a bench warmer. They didn't activate Raven Green so that he would be on the bench. Everybody plays. And I love that. Because in the body of Christ that is the church, everybody plays. The benches on you're sitting on are not the bench. When I put this sermon together and I crafted this earlier last week on Monday, I'm thinking the whole time not, what will my audience want to hear? Because I don't see you guys as an audience. You're not really an audience in a passive sense. Well, we paid our ticket, we came in, we sat down, we sang a hymn, you told a bunch of football stories, and then we left. It's great. That's audience. You are a congregation. You are a parish. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a member of the body of Christ. There's not a bench in here. There's active following Jesus. We are active participants in the mission of Jesus Christ, not passive observers. You see, passive observers tend to be critical because they're not engaged. We don't have a church like that. We have a church where people are actively doing thus and such and thus and such. Pastor Trevor made an announcement that I haven't even heard of yet. He said, you know what? We need people uh, for foster children who are timing out of foster care, turning 18, 19, 20 years old, and they need stuff. Sofas, couches, TVs, all of those things. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm a senior pastor. I don't know about that. What in the world is going on? 
And you can just see people nodding and saying, you know what, that's right. We're here to help people and engage with people, to be actively engaging in bringing people to Jesus rather than passively waiting and saying, well, you know, if no one else will do it, then maybe we'll step up. The next iteration of our church, what God is doing right now at St. John's in Orange is building an army. And I don't know if you can see it like I can see it, but I see an army in which everyone has a role in bringing people to Jesus. Or as we say in our mission statement, delivering the restorative hope of Jesus. You have an active, not passive role in that. One more piece. I don't know if it's because of where our families came from in Europe, but we tend to be somewhat passive. And the faith becomes kind of like influenza. If we walk next to you and you breathe it in, maybe you'll, get, maybe you'll catch it. <coughs> and so somehow, um, the faith has become private. And the Christian faith has never been a private faith. It's never just me and God. It's always us and God. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. We talk about the body of Christ. We talk about disciples, the people of God, the family of faith. Very seldom, if ever, does Jesus just call one and say, this is yours and yours alone. Jesus calls us into community Because the Christian faith is not private, it's personal. And when we bring someone to Jesus, it's the personal part of that that engages their heart and their soul. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Active, not passive. Congregation, parish, church, body of Christ, not audience. Each one of us with a role to play. I don't know if we have a budding Aaron Rodgers in our church. I hope we do. I know for a fact we got a lot of Raven Greens in our church. We have a ton of ability and a ton of gifts to share. And part of the ministry that I've called to lead is unleashing the body of Christ in those gifts and creating opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for you and me to bring people to Jesus. Today we have a baptism. It's two beautiful children. Last night we had a baptism. And one of the things that we're blessed with is younger families. And younger families are super busy. Let me tell you, they're super busy. We laugh because we say, we're God... We're glad God gives you children when you're young because when you're old, you don't have the energy to handle it. Later today, my son, my daughter, my daughter-in-law, and their dog will be at our house. I'm exhausted just watching the dog. I love it when young people say, well, we have a five-year plan, and we plan on having children that fifth year afterwards. And people my age are like, ha, ha, so funny. It's so cute because God gives you children when he decides. Good luck with that. They said, 
I'll never forget the comment, Dad, when were you ready for kids? And I said, son, you're 28. I've been ready for you one day of my life. Right? My role as a father, right, to be encouraging and loving. Maybe the role for young families at St. John's is to bring their children to Christ. As Jessica did this morning. As the Spanglers did last night. As we have a baptism in the following service. Maybe the goal and plan in that stage of life when you're raising kids and changing diapers and doing all that stuff is to bring your children to Jesus. And boy, if that's what it is, then God bless you in that. Our congregation needs to be as engaging and open as we possibly can in making that happen. And what about middle-aged people? Where your kids are a little older and life's a little different. Instead of gathering them in your arms, you throw them in the back of the car. Instead of dropping them off at daycare, you take them to basketball, baseball, soccer, lacrosse, football, music, dance, whatever. What if those conversations in the car become the context for ministry? And instead of passively saying, hey, if you wolf down that cheeseburger, you'll be in good shape for soccer practice. What if you said, where did you see the hand of Jesus in your school day today? You see, there's no way to answer that question, well, it was fine, or yes or no. It allows there to be a deeper engagement, which, of course, because you're middle-aged, you have a little bit different understanding of life, a little bit depth of understanding, a little bit more experience with Jesus, a little bit different way to engage. And the last one I hesitate to bring forward because I've got young, middle, and you're going to think I'm going to pop up old. How about this? Seasoned. Because <laughs> right? unless I'm going to live to be 112, I am seasoned. Because I don't feel old, except when I comb my hair. See, when you've lived a life of, say, 45 to 104 years, or 102 your boat sits deeper in the water of God's grace and love. You have an opportunity to be a patriarch or a matriarch of your family system, of your friends. And you can say, I followed Jesus for a long, long time and here's what it means to me. You can do that in family, you can do that in friendships, you can do that with courage because you have influence and respect that comes with your years. And there's something beautiful to being active in that rather than passive and engaging in those conversations rather than letting them happen. Of taking a grandson for a cup of coffee or down to 4th Street in Santa Ana to where the hit places are and being the oldest person in the restaurant. Young families go out, buying dinner is a whole different thing. Older people take the kids out. We buy them a nice dinner and hang out and provide that context for a relationship and bring them to Jesus. Very seldom will a grandson look at his grandpa or a granddaughter look at her grandparents and say, you just need to shut up because they honor you and they revere you and they love you. And you don't have to discipline them 
or correct them. That's the job of the parents. So you get to love them in a way that adds value to their heart and their soul. The role of bringing people to Jesus is different for each one of us, but each one of us has a role in that. Somehow today in the middle of that game, there's going to be an aha moment. There's going to be a strip sack. There's going to be a big penalty. There's going to be an interception. There's going to be something. And and it's all going to be going one way. And then from that point forward, it's all going to go downhill for one team and uphill for the other. (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) I don't think I preach next weekend, but I only don't, not because I need to recover, just because I needed a week off. But whatever, you know, right? (laughs) Ah! Something's going to go the right way for one team and the wrong way for the other. That's just the nature of how it works. An aha moment. What if you are that aha moment for someone else? What if you bring someone to Jesus and at the end of the end of the end, when we're all standing together and football doesn't matter for anything, and the person who you knew who you spoke to, who you didn't only invite or passively wait, who you brought to Jesus. What if they're there at heaven's doorstep with you and you provided the aha moment for them? You brought them to Jesus. What a marvelous picture that is. What a marvelous hope that is. What a marvelous reward for a role given and morphed throughout a lifetime. You brought them to Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Thanks, Lord, for this morning and for an opportunity to be with these fine people. Each one of us has a role. It's my role this morning to talk and lead. Sometimes the role is to listen. Sometimes the role is to engage Grant us that active faith, not to kind of chill out and back off and hope that it all comes down, but to engage for a sense of impact that we would bring people to Jesus. Thanks for the baptisms this morning and last night and and the upcoming one at 11 o'clock. Thank you for the freshness of that, for the renewal that goes through our worshiping body as that happens. Thank you that we're a congregation that engages young people 660 of them in our school, 144 in our preschool. Lord, we cherish every one. All the children involved in Sunday school and children's ministries and youth ministries, how we rejoice over that. You've called all of us to a role. Bless us as we engage. Thank you for today, for football, for for fun. But let that not obfuscate, obfuscate the mission. Lead us to that person who you would have us bring to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.